Welcome into another episode of the Young, Dumb, and Trying podcast. I'm Austin. I'm one of the hosts here. And this is a place where me and my co-host, Steven, talk about the questions and the ideas and the thoughts that we've really wrestled with in our short lives thus far. As we always say around here, we're, we're both young, we both can be dumb sometimes, and we're trying to make sense of how what we experience in the church connects with the world we live in today. In this episode of the Young, Dumb, and Trying podcast, Stephen and I wanted to take a break from the topical approach, the topics that we usually talk about, and just talk about ourselves a little bit. What are our passions? What motivates us? What gets us out of bed in the morning other than obligation and duties at work? In other words, what is the end for which we live our lives today? We all have those passions, those drives, those things that we look towards that give us energy, that give us life, that bring us joy, and that ultimately helps us connect with others around us. We want others around us to experience. And Stephen and I share a little bit about what motivates us, what drives us, and specifically what the aim of our lives are in this episode. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this nice change of pace on the Young, Dumb, and Trying podcast. <laughs> All right. So we're, this is kind of a break from the regularly regularly scheduled program yeah i mean it's different because we're not like taking a specific topic like we're, we usually do like a topic of the day so to speak yeah. but uh i guess the topic of the day is is you and i which is which is neat you and I. um okay pause for a second i don't think that the word regularly gets enough credit for how difficult it is to say okay elaborate well like regular like it's it's even though it's only two L sounds, because regularly, yeah, right. The 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 G into the lur, yeah. I think is like that's <laughs> you know what I'm saying. It's a little bit of like a tongue twister. Regularly, the description the, the G. You know what I'm saying. You feel me? You know you you get it. You know what I'm saying, right? Like yeah. it just feels. Maybe this is what. So, side note for our viewers, my mom told us that she didn't like the podcast, told me that she didn't like our podcast. Oh. And I was like, why? And she was like, you know, I don't know. And I asked, like, do we use too many big words? And she was like, maybe, yeah, maybe that's it. And she's like, wow. What the, like, so you you think that, like, you, I, if you say something smart and I comment or if I say something smart, you'd be like, wow, look at these fine young men, you know, yeah. like going out and trying to benefit society instead she's like can you just say more funny things it's just like what in the world like regularly yeah regularly <laughs> let's talk about the, the word and the lure regularly. like they're really important <laughs> i don't know whatever anyways well that's great like, yeah great start i mean we're hopefully we're off to a more entertaining start ruth yeah thank you for listening and watching or wherever you watch or listen yeah um <laughs> so i guess yeah so today you kind of wanted to talk about quantum to kind of go behind the lights so to speak and get to know us to help those of you watching or listening get to know us a little bit mm -hmm. like not just like who we like i'm sure people watching this like they know us by now but more about like what drives us what motivates yeah. us yeah. what why do we do what we do we've talked a lot about so far about like christianity and like why christianity why is it difficult to follow jesus why is it like all that 
but that's purposeless without a personal motivation behind it. Right. So to right. get us started, um, there's a question I've kind of been kicking around. It's like if I, when I get to the end of my life, and I know it's real weird to think about, like, oh, the end. It's like Whoa. going from regularly to end of life. Just got deep. <laughs> but the question I've been kicking around is: so at the end of my life, when I look back, what, what? And do I want what goal do I want to have accomplished? Mm. What is the end to mm-hmm. my life? Mm-hmm. And so that's a the funny thing is we didn't discuss these questions beforehand. So this You're is right. gonna, this is gonna be great. So this is gonna be off the dome. Uh, so off the old I, think piece. Yeah, I want to pose that question to you. So it, at the end of your life, <laughs> you just did the me thing. I, <laughs> you asked the question and then dance. All right, cool. Uh, so at the end of my life, yeah. what do I want to have accomplished? Yeah, and that that's not just like that's not vocational. That's not like oh, I want to have this job, make this amount. Like, right. But like, what's the what do you want the point of your life to have been? Uh-huh. And that's a big question, but it's personal to you. Yeah. So I think that one of the thing that things that makes me super super happy, super joyful, is to have everybody, um, in the same room together having a great time. Yeah. Um, if I can be really really specific. Cause I, I think I think in like daydreams, uh, in movie scenes or whatever. So like, it looks a lot like probably charcuterie. Um, and like really good dips. Hmm. Uh, any in particular in this daydream? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. We can get real specific. There's for sure a high quality guacamole. Buffalo chicken dip is a must. Solid. Um, I'm Solid. really into like, like, uh, you can get them at like fancy restaurants, like fig and cheese pieces or fi- and, like fig and honey with some balsamic, but like you can make that into a dip also mm. all the ingredients, not necessarily pizza. Right. Um, and it's, it'll change your life. Uh, cause it's very good. And, <laughs> um, and then yeah, yeah, things of that nature, just like finger foods. So you just, cause the thing about finger foods is you can eat them. You can eat an exorbitant amount of finger foods. At one time, and like before you know it, you're like, "Oh wow, I think I just ate for like probably three hours straight and did not stop at all," <laughs> because you're talking <laughs> and eating at the same time, yeah. right? That's a great thing. Like yeah. that should happen as often as possible. Yeah, probably not actually as often as possible for personal health, but you know what I'm saying. Like yeah. I love that. So, anyways, in the end of my life, I want to be. I want to be at a place where like. Uh, I can, be, I can, with my family, with my friends, in my home, that be a common occurrence hmm. because it just makes me super happy. Hmm. Um, and so, there, and, and then that, that daydream spider webs into like, okay, cool. Well then like that means reconciled relationships. That means, hmm. uh, good family dynamics. That means being hospitable. That means, um, making enough money to where you like have a house that can host people mm-hmm. because like I live in a one one right now and like I tried to host a big party there and like you know it was fine yeah. wasn't really conducive to like hosting though because mm. some people had to stand the entire time <laughs> not that they minded but yeah. still you know I'd love to be able to extend the option to sit if yeah. you want right uh <laughs> extend the option to sit that yes. is the end yeah <laughs> uh <laughs> and then like that's the end goal that's yeah. what yeah, I just want you to be able to sit at my house because mm-hmm. right now you can't. Um, yeah, 
And something I learned about my name is that, uh, so Stephen Daniel Slay is my full name. Um, and so Stephen, I think like the original meaning is like crowned one or something like that. Okay. Okay. Daniel, I think the meaning is God is my judge. Does that feel right? That Mean, would make sense. I yeah. mean, thinking in the context of Daniel. Yeah. Yes, it makes so sense. So like, and then slay, contrary to popular belief, does not mean in its etymology like to kill something or to, like to destroy it or whatever. Mm. Slay is actually this tool that is used in, um, I guess they happen there. So it happens all across a lot of cultures, but the only picture I have of it is in the show Vikings. You know, like the weaving boards that they use mm -hmm. to make clothes and stuff. Mm -hmm. So you have a you have like a square, and then you do a bunch of fabrics going this way, and you weave a bunch of fabrics going up too. Okay, this, a sleigh is a tool that you use to, uh, like you stick it in the fabric, whatever, and yep. you push them all down, and you stick it in, you push them all down. So it starts with just like a bunch of like like you can very very obviously see like where all the fabric is yeah, uh, all connected connected but then you push it all to one side and it all tightens together and becomes like a shirt or like a interesting i guess in viking age it's like a robe or a tunic or a sail for a ship or something like mm -hmm. that that's how they would weave stuff together so sleigh is like the comb that like, and yeah. like puts everything together and when I found that out, it was also coinciding with me being really into this whole idea of community that we've talked about, but mm -hmm. also sort of what I'm talking about is like being able to host everybody, being being hospitable, having uh, tight-knit communities and a family that we just get together and break bread and like just enjoy each other's company. And it becomes this like beautiful, sacred thing. So I think, I don't know. Yeah. But it kind of struck me as like, oh, maybe my name means something on purpose, you know, like mm. crowned or like, or I think it's crowned when or called by God. Uh, called by God, God is my judge. So how are those two ideas intertwined with each other? It's like you've been given a mission um, and like your fulfillment of that mission is predicated on the degree. Wow, that's a lot of big words right there. Mom's going to hate <laughs> yeah, that. Exactly. Uh, the fulfillment of that mission is predicated on the degree to which you're like, uh, bringing people together, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. being a reconciler, almost like like my feel like something. It's m one of my deepest convictions that probably I have on purpose. Uh, I'd like to think a God-given conviction is to bring people together mm -hmm. and to like be the thing that like okay, cool, we're all intertwined. Let's like get tighter mm. and like um and by getting tighter it's when you be it becomes not just a loose conglomeration of fabrics or becomes something purposeful something that can be used yeah yeah, yeah. something worthwhile something valuable mm. something retainable right and, yeah so that was a really long answer to like a pretty short question mm -hmm. but yeah i think that's where i want to be yeah no that that's awesome and that's I didn't think that was a super long answer i mean it was kind of off the spot on the spot so mm. <laughs> we didn't talk about this beforehand um yeah, that that's that's really cool, and I think that, uh, in a sense, I would say that that coincides with the mission of the church, right? Mm. Like the church is called to be that 
tight knit, not not organizationally speaking. I'm not speaking of Christendom as some have called it over over the past I'd say 1500 years, where it became a. So re- that's a really cool word, Christendom. Christendom, yeah, yeah. It's it's not so cool in like context of like theological discussions because I hate that word actually. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. glad you said yeah. something about it because terrible. <laughs> terrible. I disagree. <laughs> that elephant in the room was crushing me. All right, anyways. <laughs> Um, I'm talking about like the the idea of community, the biblical idea of community that we see it modeled in the early Christian communities, right? What Paul established, yeah. What what I'm um, thinking, like Acts two through. I mean, you could say the whole book of Acts. Um, that is, and it's interesting that as I'm thinking as I'm thinking about what I just said, it's like a lot of times we idealize that. Yeah. We look at it, we say, oh, like. Yeah, community. That's what we want, but we have all of this junk in our life to deal with now. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, so how do we get back to it? I yeah. think that's where, where your explanation of like where you fit in, what God has, say, called you to do or called you to be, that establishes that, that type of tight-knit community mm-hmm. that the early Christian church experienced. At least yeah. from my understanding, yeah, that, yeah. that's what I got. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Why you said all this junk it made me think of junk in my trunk but then if you think about it like when you go sorry this is a childish tangent but i think it fits when you go uh when you go to <laughs> like in in when you go to a community ga- community gathering yeah. like if you drive there you take all your junk with you because it's the junk in your trunk right okay. yeah. and so like we, I mean and, that that phrase has yeah. other cultural connotations, right? Right? Which right? We're not endorsing, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Never. Sorry about that, but it, go with me here, right? Go. This is like this is dude. This is classic mega church pastor line. Like somebody's gonna use this. It's gonna be on YouTube. I don't know, um, but it's like like you don't have to get rid of the junk in your trunk to be in community. You know, you just you you take the junk with you. Okay. Right, because (laughs) you don't clean out your trunk before you hang out with people. You take all the junk that's in your trunk with you. Oh, man. And you're welcome, right? Uh, (laughs) You're you're welcome, world. (laughs) Yeah, that's all I have to say about that. (laughs) That's that's great. Um, (laughs) Sorry, you're going to have a hard time recovering from that one, and that's my fault. Dude, it's a, hey, we're we're here. It's a wild ride. It's a wild ride. We just just hope to end up somewhere along the way. Very true. (laughs) Um, okay, so with that goal in mind, with that end in whoa, mind. Wait, wait, did you say yours? Or were you saying yours? Oh, I don't know. I was just going to ask. I was just going to keep going. I, I mean, I can share mine if you want. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> I want to know what sets you on fire. What sets, okay. Because what sets me on fire is, just kidding. It was a callback. Callback. Yeah, it's bad times at a comedic callback. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, I would say the the end for what I want to what I want to the person I want to be when I look back is someone who is known for being so united with Christ in purpose and mission and in vision that they can that people that it's contagious it's the whole John Wesley quote uh, you you light yourself on fire and people will come to for miles to watch you burn it's the it's that whole thing and uh <laughs> <laughs> that is such dark imagery. I love it. Like it's like so cool, but it's like oh yeah. 
I actually never thought about how morbid that is. Right. Uh, but, but it's a really stinking cool <laughs> quote. Like it's really cool, but it's just like, Oh geez. Yeah, you know? I, I think, I think in the context of what he's saying is he's not saying to like physically light yourself on fire, of but course. he's saying like, just you get passionate, like you become passionate about something. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Well, so, cause passion is contagious. Right. That's his whole point. But what really gives me life, what really get like, sets a fire in my soul yeah is i guess to like to figure out the piece of the piece of the puzzle that is life right to look and to i in my head i see life as a big puzzle not something that we're that i'm gonna solve myself but something that i can study something i can analyze something i can um i can look at i i I can i can see how all the pieces fit together Uh right so I really like. I mean, that's why I've loved seminary, and seminary, the seminary experience that I've been in, it's really taught me to think about not just what a particular idea or thought says, but like kind of like what you were saying, where that thought comes from, right? Like what what brought that about? Yeah, yeah. To, and what I see is there's a distinct level, and this isn't like. I'm not meaning to like attack any specific person, but what I see in I feel attacked. <laughs> oh, well, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna attack you, but um, Just what I've seen in churches in the West, and I say churches in the West because that's our that's the context I've grown up in. Uh, the majority of people are focused on feeling, experience, all of that. That's great. That's fine. Because we should experience God and God wants us to experience him. But experiencing him doesn't mean just like feeling. Like we're not always going to feel like super close to God. Sure. Right? And I think the the scriptures bear this out. Mm-hmm. What I'm passionate about is helping to revitalize, I guess, what... Because there's this perceived distance between the church and the academy, so to speak. So it's like people come out of the church, they go to more school, they learn. The academy meaning all of academia, yep. right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, they come out of the church, they go to more school, and then they're like, oh, Christianity, like my pastor didn't teach me this, so I'm either going to enter into like a formal process of deconstruction or I'm just going to throw out whatever I, I had before or they went through like a really bad experience. And like it shakes, it shakes their faith to the core. Mm-hmm. What I'm passionate about is kind of closing that gap right mm. is bringing the the depth and what i think is the fun of academia critical study critical like wrestling with the hard questions the deep questions the questions that we all have that i don't know sometimes church makes us feel like there's not a place to ask those questions oh cool i want i want people to have the courage and the confidence not in me not in their abilities but in in god himself yeah. To be able to wrestle with those questions. Yeah. To be able to think critically, to think analytically, and not only to ask what the Bible means, because that's really cool and I can get, but like, how does that connect with the other, like other areas of study, other, yeah. other disciplines? Yeah. Like, what does that mean for my relationship with like how we view like cultural evolution? Like right. how certain people groups of, what, what does that mean for scientific discovery? And even say like get really niche and say space exploration um so yeah that i would say like my passion is helping people to understand the depth and to love 
the depth of not only the scriptures, but to experience a life lived in, in union yeah. with God. That's that's really cool. <laughs> that's awesome. I don't think... Um, well, because it's... I mean, going back to you being a nerd thing, like you could say you're a nerd, but then, I don't know, everything that you just talked about is not necessarily rooted in uh, the desire for accumulating information it's like all rooted back to people right uh which makes it like compassionate almost right which is like that's really stinking cool yeah and that that's exactly it and that's i mean that's been my increasing prayer it's funny at the beginning beginning of every semester since college um i've i've been praying the same prayer and it's a one-line prayer it's not written down anywhere it's just in my head in my heart it's like god allow the information that i learn to lead to the transformation of my soul into the image of Christ and the same for those around me. Mm. That's, that's my goal. Yeah. And that's what I love to do. And so I'm totally content just like going down a, a rabbit trail, so to speak. And just like, just really just asking those, those little niche questions about whatever. Like my Bible is marked up with just questions and question marks. And mm. I used to think growing up that that was not a great thing to, to like ask questions. Um, but now I've come to understand. And, and as I read the Bible, yeah, you're oftentimes going to come away with more questions than answers. And, well, and that's well, okay. What do you think is, or have you ever come to a question um, where you felt like, no, how do I want to phrase this? Like what question that you have come across has really shaken you uh, to your core the most? Hmm. If you had to think about it. You mean like something that's made me like, wow, like it, do I really believe? Like in Sure, or like, like really change your perception of God, change your perception of hmm. people, whatever. I would say gets into the idea of who what is especially in in the old testament a lot of times people they grossly characterize the old testament as the god of wrath god of anger god of judgment yeah uh, and and then the new testament you you meet jesus and it's like it's it's and he's a freaking hippie yeah. he's just happy to be here right loves he's, it loves everybody yeah yeah um what really changed my perspective, and this this changes the way not only that I see other people, it, it changes the way I see myself, and it changes the way I see who God is. God, and there's a passage in Exodus 34. Um, it's right after the the, cho the the people of Israel. God brought them out of Egypt. They're at Mount Sinai, where where God dwelled at that time. Um, specifically where he met Moses and where the burning bush was and or around where the burning bush was. And he, uh, the, the, the people of Israel had just built the golden calf and they mm -hmm. began to worship it, even though God said, Hey, don't do that. Yeah. Don't, don't have any other idols, not phys like no physical idols because like I, I am, I'm God. And so it's this passage where. I mean, Moses, like God, Moses is up on the mountain with God and God says, hey, 
Moses, you got to go down there because something's going on. And Moses comes down and he is ticked off. Right. And God is ticked off. And rightfully so. I mean, he said, hey, I just rescued you. I want to live in a covenant relationship with you like I promised your ancestor, Abraham. And now you're doing this? Really? Yeah. And he says, Moses, I'm going to start a new nation with you instead. And Moses says, no, no, no. Like, God, you promised to be faithful to these people, this family. Be faithful to this family. And God says, you're right. I'm, I'm going to be faithful. And then God reveals himself, who he is. The, I would say the clearest form of the identity that forms the basis for the rest of the way we read scripture is in Exodus 34. And he says, um, he says the name of God, Yahweh. He says, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God who is merciful and gracious, sl- uh, slow, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, mm. keeping his covenant uh, to the thousandth generation. And there's, there's, I'm forgetting the exact wording of it, but the whole point of that is to show that the character of God is not anger, it's not wrath. Those, those can be expressions of who God is, but ultimately who God is to us as people and to all people, not just Israel, to all people is faithful. Mm. He's a faithful and loving and compassionate friend to humanity. Yeah, that's cool. And so he invites us then to, he invites us then into this friendship. Mm-hmm. Not so that we can just be exclusive. We can go off into a cave in the wilderness and just sit there. But so that ultimately other people can become friends of God. And to me, that, I remember, I remember reading that <laughs> and I heard somebody talk about it. I heard a pastor talk about it. I'm like, that's in there? <laughs> yeah. Because I had I was so steeped in this idea that like it was just wrath and anger and then love and faithful and grace yeah. and all that. And so I read it and then I was digging into the heat and I just like I poured over that passage, not only just just because it was so profound to me. And that passage I would look at and say that that not only changed the it, I, I mean, it didn't change the trajectory of my life, but it propelled me forward, and it also encouraged me to and and really motivated me more to dig into the Old Testament. Yeah, well, it's because people forget that the character of God has never changed, right? right? Because um, of big word, mom, if you're listening, so brace yourself. Because of um, the concept of immutabi- immutability, right, right, where it's like um, if you are perfect you can't ever change because then that, that would imply that you can become more or less perfect. Right. Which refused the idea that you're perfect to begin right. with. Um, and the, the uh, compassion that we see in Jesus, the grace that we see in Jesus is also present in the old Testament. Right. But then the judgment that we see in the old Testament is also present in right. Jesus fulfilled in Jesus and all those things. The thing, uh, the thing that did it that I experienced a similar thing or went through a similar experience um, when studying or when I, I, no, I, I, I guess I studied it. Uh, the, um, the life of David, mm. um, King David in the Bible, like the guy from David and Goliath and, um, looking at, uh, how is he a man after God's own heart? Mm. Like when, is it the Lord that says he's a man after God's own heart? Yeah. Okay. So the, the Lord says to David, 
or says to Jesse uh, on his birth or whatever uh, that Jesse's David's dad. Um, this is a man after my own heart. Or he will be a man after my own heart, something like that. But then David grows up to be like a really screwed up dude. Yeah. Like was a terrible father, terrible father, was not a great husband because he like had a bunch of wives and that doesn't make you a great husband nope. um, or it makes it hard to be. A, no, it just doesn't make you a great husband. Yep. Uh, I was going to like try to qualify it. <laughs> nah, let's just <laughs> not do that. Uh, <laughs> um, and then, and then um, also like does, makes a lot of bad decisions as far as, the well-being of uh, the nation of Israel is concerned and stuff like that. And then um, as a result of that, he's, he, even though like, even though he's a man, man after God's own heart, and even though in his heart of hearts, he never abandons like his faith. Um, he always takes accountability before God for his actions, things of that nature. Like he, because of David's actions, he really sets up the nation of Israel to like, to to go into civil war and to and to split up and to be frac uh fractured fractured uh, yeah. and um which sets the stage for them to be conquered by a bunch of different empires and then eventually to be uh conquered by the Romans and all like yeah. that's what such a stage for Jesus and stuff like that but like like David like kind of sucks right but all throughout the Old Testament um I think in the books of First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles. I feel like uh, there's like all those short chapters in the Bible where it changes from like he was king for this years yep. and he was king for these years and here's kings and after ev- like every every king I think except for like three right and that actually might be the right number. Um, you would definitely know better than I do. Every king except for three is like terrible. Right. Does like terrible things, like really 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 bad things. Yep. They just like you know, like very rated R stuff. They're like very into all of the bad things. Yep. But so it says that, uh, I think Uzziah is a king. So yep. like as an example, I can't remember if he's good or bad or not, but I'm pretty sure he's bad. Um, so King Uzziah did uh, abominations in the eyes of the Lord, but the Lord remembered the faithfulness of David. Yep. And then you read that and you're like, but David wasn't even faithful. Like mm. he like messed up a lot. So like, what's the faithfulness of David? Yeah. that you're talking about. What What is the faithfulness of David that the Lord remembers? Well, the faithfulness of David that the Lord remembers is that when David gets himself in a pickle every single time, um, he says, God, I got myself in a pickle. Mm. And I know that you're God and that you love me and that if I go to you, you'll be there. Right. Not necessarily that you'll fix it, but that you'll be there. Yeah. So here I am. And he comes and he, he's, he, he, he uh, approaches God with a repentant heart and then God says, yeah, you did really screw up like big time. And there's consequences for your actions. But like, you're right. I'm here with you, for you. Right. And it was, it was that, it's that response of faithfulness to God. Or, or faith, faithfulness on the part of David, yes. But God's faithfulness to his people. Mm-hmm. That is so profound to me. And that, I mean, that's, if I had to give a theme throughout the entire Bible, it would be faithfulness. It's God's faithfulness to his people. Mm-hmm. Love is in there, sure. Um, but I think God shows again and again in the life of David, in the life of David's family, because his kids were more messed up than he was, which yep. is like hard to do. Hard to do. <laughs> yeah. But he shows that he is 
faithful to Mm -hmm. his people. And even when his people, I mean, you can even transpose this image onto the church today, even when his people mess up and, and screw up royally, does that mean that God has been unfaithful? And in classic Paul language, absolutely not, by no means. Right. That's, God remains faithful. That is the theme. And for me, that because God has been so faithful to, to not just, not just me personally, because I, like, obviously I can share story after story of like how God has shown himself to be faithful, but because God is faithful to all of us as people who bear his image, which again, like nerdy rabbit hole, we could go down is like, we are the image bearers of God, right? Because he is faithful to us and because we bear his image, we are now called to not just be servants, right? but we're called to be friends. Yeah. And friends who share the same desires, the same passions, the same motivations. And that ultimately... Friends of God, you mean? Yep, friends okay, of cool. God. That looking like, that's what I want. That's what I want to help people experience. Yeah. I, I want people to, to look at look at my life and look at the life of the church and say, you know, God is still faithful today. Yeah. And that's not like, that's not effort that like I'm doing it on my own. That's like just the Holy Spirit and is, is empowering me. Sure. To, to live out the faithfulness of God. Yeah. One, also the Old Testament, a phrase, I, I, he either says it's Noah or Abraham, I can't remember which, which, who he says it to first. But I'm pretty sure he says it to both. It's that their faith has made them righteous. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, so the way that we not necessarily earn because it's not earned, but the way, uh, how do you say it? The precursor to receiving right standing with God yeah. is faith. Yeah. Uh, and whether that faith looks like acting as if he's real, whether that faith looks like um, believing in your heart that he's real, that he's there for you. Mm-hmm. Um, it, well, now it looks like obviously believing that Jesus is and was who he says he, uh, who he says he was, yep. did what he said he'd do. Um, but it, in the Old Testament, it was your faith has made you righteous. Yep. And the, to go back to David, the returning to the Father yeah. um, was evidence enough to like, okay, you have faith in me. Right. 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 You have the propensity to do bad things, mm. to be an idiot. But like, you have faith in me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Which is really stinking cool. Yeah. And it, it so it, it, and that, that sounds like a God that wants to be my friend. Yeah. Which is, which is cool. Like, it sounds like a compassionate God. Right. Um. And so, I think the, the mission to share that with people or to be the, be a vessel that, or a, a lens through which other people can see that is like definitely a noble and high calling yeah. for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so kind of in, in a way to wrap this up, how does what we were talking about with, uh, with kind of like what the end of your life, mm-hmm. specifically what you want, uh, you want to look back and you want to have people say, or have people or have, uh, have done or have brought about, through the way you've lived your life. How does that connect with, I guess, where you're at currently as student ministry director? 
uh, specifically here at Bay Hope? Like, how does that idea connect with and, and either fuel your motivation to be a student minister or something else? Like, how does that connect right now? Sure. Well, technically, I'm not a director. Oh, okay. But, I mean, I'll take it. So, yeah, <laughs> sure. Uh, dude, when I was the, like, the worship intern, uh-huh. I used to just add a bunch of executives uh, <laughs> and, like, make my job title super because i didn't have a special job title so i would just uh, yeah i'm the executive director of next generation worship Worship ministries (laughs) for the children of the kingdom of god you know just i don't know make it super obscure so i think it applies to uh youth ministry Mm. because we live in a world um and like it was like this it's like this now right and so our experience in this the regard that I'm about to say is, I think is, is I think similar to the way that kids are growing up now. Like they're very, very fractured, very yeah. siloed, right? Yeah. They don't live in a, it's uh and even like in America or whatever, it's a super, super individualistic society. Um, I heard a guy say once, I think it was, I, maybe, maybe I, well, I've already quoted him uh, a few episodes back, but Andy Crouch said when talking to John Mark Comer about Sabbathing and stuff, um, living in Sabbath communities or whatever that, uh, like a question that was easily answerable probably 200 years ago that's not answerable now is if you died in the middle of the night who would know Mm. outside of like your spouse if you have one right um because a few hundred years ago like somebody would know because they would be in the house with you or maybe in a on a commune or it was a huge estate house everybody had their wings of the house whatever like somebody would know like Where's Steven at? He's supposed to be at breakfast or I don't know, supposed to be feeding the cows. I don't know. Um, So, uh, and, and it's not that obviously it's not that I want to go live on a commune, right? Cause that would be weird. But, um, or that I want students to go live on a commune because that would also be very weird. But uh, like, I think that there is such a struggle nowadays with, um, or there's yeah, such a struggle nowadays for people to like, struggle in front of each other mm. um and for them to be like actually vulnerable with each other yeah. uh and so what happens i think in church communities right they're vulnerable to a certain extent but they're not completely vulnerable yeah. or they're only vulnerable with a select few people yeah and there is a degree of responsibility mm-hmm. to that right so like that's not in and of itself a bad thing um, because you don't want to obviously just like show up every week, just emotionally bleeding on people. Like that's not healthy for anybody. Nope. However, we should live life with a degree of shamelessness to where I'm like, yeah, I got stuff going on. This is my stuff. Um, and then, so I have the responsibility to be my true self. Mm-hmm. And then you have the responsibility to, uh, not necessarily affirm everything that's going on, but like, to give grace, to give acceptance, to, uh, I love the table analogy to, to make sure that I have a seat at the table, stuff like that. I think that's something that's so missing in like young people's lives. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, because they're like, they can't, and it's, you know, partially because of a maturity thing. Right. I remember when I was in high school, like the really black and white way of thinking that, um, is super common for especially teenage boys but uh like there is 
something to be said about like treating somebody as if they have never hurt you, even though they have. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or treating somebody as if um, they not to make it less personal because all my examples before them were not super personal. Uh, treating somebody as if they like didn't mess up when like they, they very clearly did. Yeah. Because, and that's not to say that you, uh, like, like I was saying, it's not, it's not to say that you affirm every wrong behavior or like dismiss it. It is to say that though, like sometimes the right answer is just to like, okay, take my hand. Yeah. Metaphorically speaking, take my hand. What's your name? How are you? Like, and like, treat you with dignity before I say, mm, you should probably change this activity, this right. behavior or whatever. Right. Um, and so that makes things more inclusive. It makes things, uh, super grace filled. Yeah. And, um, and so you want to create atmospheres where that happens yeah. and like, and it really, it really kills shame. It destroys it. Yeah. Right. Because it gives a tangible well example of God's grace. Um, and, and shame and anxiety is like something that is, I mean, it's crippled everybody forever, but it really is crippling our generation. They walk around like perpetually self-conscious about, and this is, you're in my generation too. They walk, we walk around perpetually self-conscious because we're always under the microscope of like the camera on our phone or whatever, or we're always comparing ourselves to other people and things of that nature. So it's, you, you, you're, you're never not uh thinking about how you might be perceived mm-hmm. or worrying about how you might be perceived and that that'll do a number on you yeah. you know mm-hmm. whereas church but not even church just life and specifically life in the christian community ought to be a place where it's like i can walk in knowing that i will be perceived in a way that is not going to hurt Right. It's or uh, let me let me change that. I can be I can walk into a church. I can walk into church knowing that I will be perceived in a way that is rooted in probably love because sometimes love hurts. Right. Right. It's. I I think, like you said, it's that treating people with dignity. Mm. And I think for the temptation now in the very individualistic culture we live in is. Um, with that, the rampant individualism, we treat people less and less uh, like people, di- like dignified image bearers mm. of God Himself. Mm-hmm. And when we view people as as image bearers of God Himself, then it changes the way that we treat we treat them. We don't just see them as a nuisance or a, a commodity or um, something to get someone to get something from yeah we see them as someone who is like you said deeply loved and received by god and somebody that god actually says hey i, I like i want you to to be my friend i want to share in this life yeah. with you yeah and i think that's like that is i mean i i see that as a really really cool connection to like i guess the end of your life <laughs> um and and what you what you establish you already you already establish it student ministry but what like what you aim to establish in student ministry thanks <laughs> <laughs>
Thanks so much for tuning in to the Young, Dumb, and Trying podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead and like this video as well as subscribe to the Bay Hope Church YouTube channel. This may seem like a weird thing to do, but really it does help us out. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Music, all you'll have to do is leave a review or leave a comment in the app itself. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Young, Dumb, and Trying podcast.